0: Are there any legitimate hockey fans in this church? Hang on. Keep your hands up. We have a deliverance ministry. I'm going to meet you right over here. No, I, uh, I like hockey. I just don't understand it. I hate being cold. I'm the only fat guy in the world that hates being cold. I can't stand it. And uh, I can't see the puck ever. And I don't, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of like NASCAR to me. You just go around in circles. Um, Anyway, my name is Chad. I'm the pastor here-ish. Um, I do have the pleasure to share some uh, awesome news, and I'm going I'm stick to stick to this so I don't leave any details out. It seems like every week uh, we hear stories of people sowing in their first fruits here at Bridgeway, and we're in a place financially where the giving has gotten to a place that the Father has asked us to do something, and I want to tell you what that something is. Um, we've seen unprecedented growth in our children's ministry, and while we do have challenges within the area of volunteers, which I got a word of knowledge for all of y'all, everyone in here, God wants you to serve downstairs, <laughs> um, we do feel that it's, it's time to reorganize the current available space to provide more secure and safer kids church downstairs. So this November, shortly after the table conference, we're going to begin to work and complete a renovation of the present uh, fellowship hall, the office block to the staff to, to create a larger and a brighter children's wing. This includes a new kids' check-in area, elevator, more open and wider staircase, new kids' auditorium, kids' classrooms, and a brand new tween room. I like that name. Isn't that fun? You know, in the kingdom, healthy things grow. We anticipate this work taking about nine weeks to complete. So let's check out some, uh, some photos up here. Uh, I want to show you this. This is going to be the kids' check-in lobby. Y'all are easy. And let's go to the next slide. It's going to be the kids' check-in elevator lobby. we got the kids' auditorium. Another picture of the kids' auditorium. Some kids' classrooms. I think this is my current office right now. It's pretty cool. I was telling uh, Bev recently. Is Bev in here this morning? Bev Winger? I was just saying how much history there is in that office back there in the pastor's office. And that's going to be a kid's classroom. I love that too. I love that God's kicking me out of my office to put kids in there. I'm serious. Remember I had the dream recently where the two kids raised that person from the dead? I love that what God's doing with our kids. Kids' classroom, another picture. Tween Tween room. Then another picture of the tween room um, the staff is going to be moving into modulars uh, it's gonna be behind the children's wing until the Lord reveals our next steps we'll just go to there until he says it's a great chance to build community I'm talking about vulnerability today so maybe that's prophetic staff is gonna be stuck in uh, mobile homes we'll either love each other or you'll have a new staff soon we'll see I'm not sure yet. Um, We'll keep you well-informed in the process. Why don't I speak a blessing just over uh, this whole process? Adam, will you hand Tubby that microphone? I want Tubby to come down here and stand in the front and just uh, pray for this renovation process. That's you, Tubby. Come on down here. There's only one Tubby in this church. If I don't keep doing Weight Watchers, I'm going to join you, but I'm working on it. Just speak a blessing over this whole process.
1: Okay, Father... It's a joyful time here at Bridgeway. We know that to build a church that's pleasing to you, we start with children. Just as we said in the past, there's three ways, three ways to build a, a prosperous fellowship and that's through children, children and children. So we pray, Father, that you would just pour out your, all the blessings financially and all your blessings for goodness as we enter into this uh, renovation process, that we notice of you, that we have seen the goodness that you have just poured out upon this children's ministry that we currently have. We're out of space. And this is a way, Lord, that uh, we will be able to show you of just uh, the thankfulness that we have that you have given unto us. So now as we enter into this program, we just ask that everybody be obedient to hear from you of what they would give unto it. And that we just pray that uh, it just go as smooth as, as Chad would say, a hot knife through warm butter. So we thank you, Father. In your son's name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. I also forgot that after uh, these works, uh, just the main lobby outside here, the ladies' bathrooms will be refurbished. And then uh, also we're going to do some work in the sanctuary. So we'll keep you well informed as we walk along. Kimmy, come on up here. I am really excited about Kimmy Bates' story this morning. She's actually going to preach for 45 minutes for us Uh, Is that what we said? No, we didn't say that. Uh, I love Kimmy. You guys know Kimmy. She's on the children's ministry team downstairs. This is a fun one for me because I've actually gotten to watch your journey from Lodi Bar to the King's Table. So if you're new to Bridgeway, I did a series about, I'm bad with calendar, I don't know, eight, nine months ago called, um, what was it called? Healing the Orphan Spirit. And it was about journeying from spiritual orphanhood with a really lack of identity to the king's table. And the king's table is representative of just deep friendship with God. Hard to get offended, producing fruit of intimacy. Well, before we get to the good part, let's talk about the bad part. You went to Haiti with me a couple of years ago and the Holy Spirit gave me a word of knowledge that if I did not fly you home, get you home, that you were gonna die. And that's like, man, That seems kind of extreme, but you got to the hospital, and the doctor said when you got back to the States, if you wouldn't have come home, you would have died. You were severely dehydrated, and on the outside, it was a picture of your physical health being in trouble, but really, what God showed you over the next year, it was an indicator of your heart, and you had a lot of Lodibar, and I overheard you call yourself the mayor of Lodibar recently.
2: He told me I was the president.
0: Yes. I was like, no, you're the president of Lodibar and um and boy since then well i remember we were ministering to a group of people in haiti and a witch doctor uh scared the team half to death and you really did not like me talking to that witch doctor and you about had a heart attack and it really bothers you and from then till now it's like you're recruiting people to the king's table and so i just you know I just want to ask you a question. How in the world have you gone from such a lack of identity to now being someone that is developing really deep friendship with God?
2: Well, um, for Haiti, it was rough. The the reason I reacted to the witch doctor was because my fear rose up. And coming back from Haiti in the recovery process, I realized I did not like who I was. I realized that, over years, I had given the seeds of fear, unworthiness. I had given them all life by believing what that voice said. And when I came home from Haiti, it was a wake-up call because I realized those voices were actually louder than my own. And so I decided, no, this is not what Jesus looks like. And I'm going after it. And I'm going to change. And so the Lord give me Teresa, you... I had to endure some hard words, but that was okay. You
0: know, why don't you slow down there? Because a lot of times people think hard words, we're going to talk about this this yeah. morning, a lot of times people think hard words are to condemn you. Mm-mm. And it wasn't. Why don't you talk about the hard word you received down here and then how it affected you?
2: Well, um, what the enemy will do will get you to focus on poor, pitiful you and all the things that are wrong. And so I don't even remember why I came to you one Sunday, but I walked right up to Chad and... He was standing here, and he had this really intense look on his face, and he said, I have three words for you from the Father. And he said, get over yourself. Okay. I don't even remember the rest of our conversation, but I went to the car. (laughs) I'm not sure we had one. Um, I went to the car, and the Lord said, you have a choice. You can get offended. You can say he didn't know you. He he don't know what you're going through. You don't know how bad, bad it's been. Or you can trust the fruit that you see in his life and you can see it's me. And I said, I I choose you and I'm coming after you and I'm not gonna let go. (laughs) So I received some great instructions from my friend. The first thing she said was, ask the Lord what he calls you. He answered me before I could get it out of my mouth. And so I started researching and I decided that I would trade in my Kleenexes for a sword. And I started ripping up. That is
0: awesome. It? We're going to be starting a series next week. Kimmy's going to preach it called "I threw away my Kleenex and picked up my sword." <laughs> that is that may become a tagline around here. Yeah, you know, there's nothing wrong with grieving. Mm-hmm. You and Shrek, uh, this is uh, Kimmy's husband. We call him Shrek. Shrek, wave, wave your hand down here. That's Shrek right there.
2: Yay! Uh,
0: when I met Greg, Kimmy said, "Don't call him Greg. Call him Shrek." I was like, well, "That's the easiest name ever to remember." Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, There, there is a time we need to grieve. You guys came to the old church building, correct? Mm-hmm. And there was a season of grieving. But at some point, the Lord says, do you want to be well? Yeah. Why don't you just uh, pray for this house that when we discern that it's time to put down the Kleenex, because sometimes there are seasons you need a Kleenex for a long time. Oh, yeah. But then, you know, Moses, my servant, is dead. Get up, Israel. I'm tired of watching you <laughs> cry. There comes a point where you need to pick up that sword. Just pray that over us.
2: Daddy, I thank you. I thank you that you don't give up on us. I thank you that no matter where we're at, that you are there. I just bless the ears that are hearing this today with the ability to know that the lies can be canceled and the lies can be ripped up and truth can be replaced. I thank you for the love that surpasses anything that we understand and for the joy that comes when we realize who we are in you. I just bless each one of them. In your name.
0: That was really awesome. I'm serious. Oh so good. That was incredible. I think that's Kimmy, that's just the message of this house. Basically, your story is what we're going after. And you know, a lot of times people come into this house and you may not even know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Wherever you are on the journey of things, uh, if you're not in Christ, we want to show you how to give your life to Jesus Christ. But for many people that come to Bridgeway, you've burned out on religion, been burned out on church, been, in many cases, spiritually abused under a really wrathful doctrine. Wherever you are on your journey, Bridgeway's asking a couple of questions to ourselves Am I moving towards deeper friendship with God, and whom am I bringing with me? So now here's the fun part, and this is the command from heaven, who you bring in with you. You know what's awesome, though? Your, story, your uh, fruit speaks louder than your mouth. God, I'm stirred up ever since you got up here. Did you feel that when you were up here? It's just like, hmm. Yeah. Let's go to Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. If you haven't listened to the last three weeks, I encourage you to go online and listen to it. Um. Someone said recently, well, you know, Chad, I appreciate your leadership, but teaching's not your gift. And I said, well, I know it's not. I never said it was. I'm not really a detail type teacher. I'm more of a big picture teacher. Um, but my biggest passion is getting, playing my role to get people to the king's table. But there are some pretty good details in the last three weeks of what in the world do I mean by two trees? Tree one is my family tree. I come into the earth, my family tree, and someone raises me and I typically look like whoever raises me. That's not always bad. Tree two is my spiritual family tree where I have a literal father and the literal father doesn't want me to just believe in his son Jesus to go to heaven. He wants me to believe in his son Jesus so that the DNA of Jesus can get into my DNA and that I think like the father and I act like the father. If the apple never falls too far from the tree, I'd rather it not fall too far from tree two than tree one because I'd rather act more like my heavenly father than my earthly father. That's a pretty good recap the last three weeks. (laughs) There's no one in here that says, I don't really want to be in tree two. No one says that. Of course, everyone's saying, how in the world do I get and stay in the tree two? And by the way, if you're not in Christ, we're not even talking about tree one, because I'm talking about the person that's given their lives to Jesus Christ, but acts more like their earthly father, earthly mother, or coach or mentor, whoever raised you. Both trees are synonymous with being born again. But the gospel was never intended just to get me out of darkness and into life. The gospel has always been intended to transform me, to even transform my personality. You know, it's possible at some point in your life that you were suicidal, that you had it even planned out. And now you lead tons of people into wholeness not just a decision for Jesus. Do you know what's possible to be on Xanax, Clonopin, Zoloft? Do you know what's possible to be in the lowest of the low? Do you know what's possible to be in here, be listening to me and you're divorced, but God's bringing you to a place where he's going to bless your marriage, give you great marriage. You're going to help other married people. Your past doesn't have to define where he's taking you. But so much of this stuff is dependent upon which labels I put on myself. It's possible to have been bankrupt and now you leave Dave Ramsey courses. But the, the question's not, hey, are you passionate about getting in tree two? Well, who in the world wants to stay in tree one where you mimic the, the anger of your own mother while you're memorizing Galatians? Nobody wants that. Ain't hey, nobody got time for that? I, I worked I work with a guy one time In no way am I making fun of him. I'm not. He, he struggled with sexual addiction on a high level. He had the book of Galatians memorized. Well, the question is how in the world... Do we get in the tree, too? How do we get to this place of deep friendship with God and stay there? To where when someone's around us, like Kimmy's story, it's like, man, maybe I ought to put my Kleenex down and pull out my sword, because that pacifier tastes weird to a 49-year-old. <laughs> a lot of people say, well, if only Jesus was here, he'd be nicer And Chad. Jesus may say to you, do you want to get well? Pick up your mat and walk. And hush. father told me to hush recently i talked about it in week one in this series i was letting somebody have it at university of georgia tailgate they wouldn't let me throw the football and the father said chat um, luke chapter 5 verses 17 through 20 the question is how do you get in a tree too and stay there sometimes you need someone to help you one day as he was teaching pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of galilee and from judea and jerusalem were sitting there by the way when you walk in the same level of power that jesus walked in with the holy spirit and when that operates in a church you won't have to spend millions of dollars on marketing for your own life or this church people will find you if you have uh, traveled here today to church from more than 30 miles away raise your hand all right look at that look around why in the world would people travel look at that if you travel more than 60 miles to be here today, raise your hand. It's incredible. Here, here's, I mean, someone asked me the other day, what's the address to the church? I didn't know it. <laughs> I guess you could get people somewhere for, for marketing. I love marketing. There's nothing wrong with Marketing. You get the Holy Spirit in operation. You start laying hands on the sick and seeing him recover. You start speaking rhema, start speaking power. You start seeing real testimonies of Kimmy. People will drive from other states. There's people that are moving to Greenville to come to Bridgeway. And I promise you, it's not because of me. It's because God's here. When Jesus is on the scene, they'll come from every village. Everybody say, every village. This is why they're going to start coming from every village. It's not because of marketing. It's not because of skinny preachers and skinny jeans and everything rhymes. And starts with the letter A. I got five points. Attitude. I don't even know five A's. I got one. All right. <laughs> and the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Father, would you just manifest your power at Bridgeway that it would be present all the time to heal the sick? You no, know, God hates sickness. If Jesus Christ went around healing everyone of the devil, quit going and listening to preachers and teachers saying the opposite. Jesus manifested healing everyone oppressed by the devil. Well, the father killed Lazarus. Then why did Jesus raise him? That's another series. Some Some men came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on the mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, everyone say there. Yes. Man, I need there in my life. It's bad English, but you know what I mean. About a year and a half ago, um, have you ever had an almost car accident where you feel like your life flashes before your eyes? When I was 12 years old, I was in a really bad accident, a really bad accident. And uh, affected uh, another family. Uh, it wasn't our fault. I was riding with a with a, uh, with a family called the Connellys, and it was, it was awful. God spared my life. It's a long story. I'll share it sometime. Um, but this wreck, it wasn't as bad, but it could have really been really, really bad. And I had a blind spot. I didn't see it. It's the only time it's ever happened to me. You ever seen on the rearview mirrors where it says, what, what's, what's it say where it talks about how you, you can't see everywhere? What's it say? Yeah, uh, um, the way the way that in which we drive, the way that mirrors are formed on our vehicles. If the mirrors aren't there, you you can't. If they get close enough to you, you can't see them. I just like I've done ten thousand times. I went to go from the left lane to the right lane to get off somewhere, and I heard a honk, and I looked in my rearview mirror, and I could see this guy's nostril hairs in the rearview mirror. <laughs> I mean, this thing was like. <laughs> christmas vacation dog on duty when that he's right up on clark griswold i look in the rearview mirror and i mean we were having fellowship and uh my heart dropped and i said out loud i never saw him i never saw him i never saw him i'm so sorry he gave me the um, uh what do you how do you say that on the church stage i can't say what he did he he told me i was number one in his heart <laughs> i was number one in his heart With that big old Bridgeway logo on the back of my car. Now, some of y'all need to take that fish off your car the way you drive. <laughs> take that thing down. I said, I never saw him, never saw him. Not too far after that, I get a phone call. I was at a swimming pool last summer. My wife is hysterical. It's not her personality at all. She is balling. She said, I almost had a wreck, almost had a wreck. My wife ran a four-way stop sign, and if not, for the grace of God, it had been really, really bad. And she, she said, Chad, I never saw it. And that's not like my wife. She's very observant. Myers-Briggs, second letter's and S. She notices all details. She never saw stop sign. If I asked you in here, who can help you more than anybody, you'd say, well, Jesus Christ. But this morning, I want you to entertain the idea that perhaps there's some things about yourself that you can't see. And you need some friends to put you on the mat and get you to the one who can help you. There's a couple things in play here. You got to be open and willing to someone calling out your blind spots, and you got to be open and willing to getting down on a mat. C.S. Lewis says, Pride's the greatest one of them all. Typically, we think the sins of the flesh are the worst. So and so had an affair. So and so is an alcoholic. So and so, we we tend to gravitate towards sins of the flesh. Did you hear what so and so did? So and so, the fornicator. You never really hear, hear someone say so and so so full of pride. Yet C.S. Lewis said, "Pride is worse than sins of the flesh. Pride is the biggie. Pride is the ultimate. Pride is the the trait that got Lucifer kicked out of heaven." A lot of people would say, um, "I don't need no mat." I'm a self-made man. You're not a self-made man or a woman. You're way more fragile than you think. And there's a couple of ways to um, understand that we're all on mats and we're all broken to some degree. You got a blind spot, I promise you. A couple of ways to do that. Uh, Go ahead and believe it or let life come at you fast and let the Father use people to show you what your blind spots are. Now, obviously, in this passage, we're talking about a physical sickness here. But what I have noticed is that people who are successful in going from tree one to tree two live lives of vulnerability and invite people that they trust into their lives to help point out what they can't see about themselves. I've, uh, I've never seen someone else's faith get someone to remain in tree two, deep friendship with God, but I have seen other people's lives be affected by their community of faith that instead of coming in the voice of condemnation, comes in love and says, hey, let's talk it out. Here's some things that I see. And then they gently put us on the mat and get us to the king. Uh, I don't let anyone speak into my life who hasn't been to counseling. Not gonna happen. I had a weird word of knowledge this week. Is Ben in here? Ben's back there. Ben and I went to lunch, and Ben plays a role here at Bridgeway that's helping us think through things and branding and things like that. And I heard in my left ear, the God of the universe, say the name to me, Bill Wilson. And I looked at Ben and I said, who's Bill Wilson? I said, Google it. Because we were talking about vulnerability. And I kept hearing Bill Wilson. I don't know why God speaks in my left ear. I think it's because we sit at the right hand of the Father. I heard Sean Bowles tell a story the other day. And he was telling the story. He said an angel spoke in his left ear. And I thought, interesting, because I've never heard anyone else say that. I was like, I said, look it up. Who's Bill Wilson? Bill Wilson was the founder of Alcoholics Anonymous. God's been talking to me all week. Why has Alcoholics Anonymous been so powerful? No one takes credit for it. Why has it swept the world and helped people get whole all over the world? One word. It's uh, common people with vulnerability who need each other. Jesus puts them back together. One of the problems in the charismatic church is people want to hide behind anointings and a lot of these um, sayings that sound very Ken copeland but it's really more Ken Copeland's faith or whoever that person is, Andrew Womack's faith, it's really more, um, it's not really faith, it's kind of denial spun very spiritually. Like in other words, uh, I, don't th- I think Andrew Womack hadn't been sick in like 40 years. That's amazing. I celebrate that. A lot of people will try to live off his faith and say something like that when in reality they don't believe what they're saying. And a lot of times what will happen is if you'll become more vulnerable saying, you know what? I think it's awesome that someone lives at that high level of faith, but I'm not currently there. Father, would you help me get there? That's getting down on a mat. That's when vulnerability flows. That's when power flows. A lot of times these charismatic slogans and sayings, we say them trying to stand the right way and we say them. Maybe if I pray in tongues doing this, it'll work. And the truth is, if we would emulate an AA model that says, you know what, my name's Chad, I'm kind of struggling right now, and I'm going to ask a few of my friends that I really deeply trust to speak into me. It's amazing what happens when we confess our sins and faults one to another. You see, in this picture, it's a community of people that got the man to Jesus. Well, well All we need to do is get to Jesus. He's the one that does the transformation work. A lot of you beat yourself up in here because you went through a stint where alcohol had a hold on you. What would happen if you confess that to a group of people that you trust? What if when you confess your faults one to another, what if grace exploded in your life instead of condemnation? See, here's what Satan does. He tries to keep us quiet, though. I don't need no Matt, and I don't need no Jesus. Yes, you do. You need both. And you need a community. Let's go to James 5.16. I love this because there's two different versions. The King James says one word. The NIV says one word. Let's go to the NIV first, John. NIV in John 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins. Everyone say sins. Sins. To each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. What if your healing's not going to come through some angelic encounter? What if it's going to come through vulnerability in your own community? Here's what we do though. We wait for a church to build a structure of community and then hand it to us on a silver platter. You'll have community when you want it. When you want community as much as you want your next breath, you'll have it. It's hard. I've never seen a marriage that's easy. I've never seen community that's easy. I've never seen anything that's easy that's worthwhile. Oprah did a show, 20 families won the lottery. It ruined all 20 families' lives. We want something instant. What if it takes a while? What if your breakthrough is not going to be instant? What if the angel breakthrough is not hovering here to give you an instant breakthrough? What if the father is saying, I'm just waiting for you to get on the mat? Because if you'll get on the mat, I'll meet you. Just get on the mat. A lot of times, we don't even know we need to get on the mat. In James 5.16, it says, therefore, confess your sins to each other. Watch this. In, in the King James, it uses a different word. In the King James, says, therefore, confess your faults. Isn't that interesting? Interesting. Here's the, here's the thing that's, that's fun. The Father loves us and he sees Christ Jesus in us. But he also sees the things that we're broken in and we need redemption to explode upon. The father's not blind to our faults, and here's a note to self. Neither is your community and your spouse and your kids. So, what if you chose into vulnerability, got on the mat? And what if you asked your kids to speak into you as their parent? What do you mean, brother? I, 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 uh, that's getting uncomfortable. Because I'm, I'm Superman. My kids see me as Superman. You're not Superman. Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Grumpy, had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put him back together again. But Jesus can. What if your breakthrough or transformation that got you intrigued tree too and, and, and stuck you there like super glue was the idea of vulnerability? What if the church in the father's mind looks more like an AA meeting than the church in the West where we hide, we pretend, we put a great communicator on stage, we pay a tithe, you don't talk to anyone, please don't look at me, I don't look at you. We us don't look at each other don't touch me. I'm a Christian. Don't look at me. <laughs> where the most uncomfortable part of the service is stand up brother and give someone a holy kiss it's in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's like, no, 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 no. I live in, I live in the West and I'm supposed to come church and sit. I'm not supposed to know anybody, but I'll put a bumper sticker on my car. I go to church with a hundred million thousand people and someone spies on you for a week and says, uh, where do you go to church? And An angel appears and says, why do you look at church? as somewhere you go. We're supposed to be the church. We need each other. People need each other. This man got healed because of the faith of other people. Vulnerability is the key to breakthrough. This message is so offensive to the religious spirit. The religious spirit cannot stand this message. Confess. I don't want to confess. Confess your sins one to another. That could get a little messy. You know, the only thing normal in life is that button on a washing machine. (laughs) Well, if only my marriage was like this, you know, we make these, if my marriage was like this and if my finances were like this and if my church was like this and all of a sudden we've created some utopian view to where if you look around, if we'd be more vulnerable with each other, who has any of that, that we deem normal? It's in the midst of brokenness that grace has an opportunity to explode. He came for the sick. He came for the sinners. He came for the bankrupt. He, he came for the addicts. He came from the lowest of low. He came for the prostitutes. He came for you. He knows you're broken. People around you know you're broken. Sometimes you just need to look in the mirror and say, you know what? It's okay to be broken because when I get into a posture of confession, this is like the fast track in the tree too. We say things like, all I need is God. I don't, I don't think so. Second part of the Lord's commandment, love people. If God is all that Adam needed, why did he create Eve? I'm gonna write a book one day. God was not enough. And that's from the father's heart. That's the father's mind. All I need is God, brother. I'm not so sure about that. Why didn't Jesus just uh, go solo? Sniperville, come down here. You don't need 12 disciples. You say, but Jesus doesn't need anything. What if God is wired for connection? Let us make man in our image. If God is community, I promise you we're wired for it too. But what we do is we say no to it. Not necessarily just because of pride. We just don't want to be hurt anymore. And so we shut ourselves off because, you know what, that pastor hurt me. This person hurt me. My last two spouses hurt me. My boss hurt me. I'm not going to let anyone hurt me. And we close ourselves off and we seclude. And a lot of intercessors hide behind that and they say, all I need is God. You don't just need God, we need people. Courage is so underrated in this conversation because, man, it takes a lot of courage to open your heart up to someone else because your heart may get hurt. My wife and I are in a place right now. Um, It's great what God's doing here. We love what God's doing. But we want to know each other. Do you know a word that opens up relationship? It's the word confession. See, a lot of charismatics, you walk around with all the note cards and all you talk about is how victorious you are in the Lord. Sometimes you need to be like Jesus and just weep when Lazarus died. Before just projecting when Lazarus rose again. Before he rose again, Jesus wept. Jesus took naps. Jesus got tired. Jesus abided. Jesus prayed all night before he picked the disciples. If Jesus needed the grace of the Father in his life to give him strength and power, if Paul needed it, I probably do too. Paul learned the secret to all things. Paul learned this secret when he started confessing who he was not, grace exploded. You see, a lot of people want to go to the island of Patmos and and heal everyone that was on the island. Do you know there's a formula in Paul's life? He became more and more broken before he got to Patmos. The more broken you become, the more power that flows from you to heal everyone else in your community. You got to first me. you need a mat. I need a mat. I want people in my life that don't call me pastor, reverend, apostle, prophet, whatever. Just call me Chad. God told me to order the AA book. I'm not an alcoholic. I don't come from a family. I didn't grow up with that in my family. But I'm not reading the book for alcoholism. I'm reading the book searching for, why is there so much Pauline theology of vulnerability in this book you know it's interesting AA took off when someone taught the class that wasn't outside of alcoholism it was another alcoholic who had been set free and delivered and when it was a delivered person ministering to another person struggling because of that person's story Kimmy because of the tissue to the to the sword it it gives it more credibility. What if Bridgeway didn't become just a place where you come to get an encounter with the Holy Spirit? What if we learn how to connect with one another and we created on ramps of vulnerability and connection? Where this church is going is we don't want just people to build deep friendship with God. We want people to build deep friendship with each other. And you know what? We're not there. I want to learn it though. But if you put too much emphasis on a model of discipleship, a model of connection, you missed the whole point. A model without a heartbeat is just a sterile model. There's billions of them. Who cares? Who cares? But if vulnerability leads this thing, James five sixteen leads this thing, the model will happen on accident. There's so much rhema on this thing. I'm going to ask Lindsay and the band to come back up. This concludes our series and we're going to have a time of ministry. And I want the band to lead us out in this song. And uh, we're going to do some ministry time towards the end of this song. You know, I don't know where you are. Maybe you're so in tree one that you even physically look like your mom or dad. And to where you'd wish that the fruit of the spirit described who you are, but it doesn't. In love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, maybe it doesn't describe you. Or you know what? Maybe you're in the best place with God you've ever been in your life. That's none of my business. I do know this, including the Apostle Paul, who was blinded. He was blinded. He started his whole ministry in brokenness. Until we get to a place where we're comfortable with vulnerability, grace has a very difficult time resurrecting anything in our lives. Maybe instead of this morning, you saying out loud how great you are in the Lord, maybe you need to be honest about where you, where you are. Maybe you have a physical disease in here and you're, you're scared to death. Or you're going to die. Well, confess it to him. Maybe you're scared to death of community and it's easier for you to perform for people, for people than actually know them. Maybe it's easier for you to lead people than actually invite them into your life. I, you know, I don't know where you are on this journey, but I want to pray for you as we conclude the last 10 minutes and in ministry time with this creative closer. In the name of Jesus, may you hear the voice of your father clearly. And over the next few minutes, may you get things settled in your own heart. And go to him. Just get on the mat. Get with Jesus.